Starting something new is exciting, and this is the time of year we're told we should do it. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I love new beginnings. It's a new year. Our calendar tells us so. We need to switch from typing 2018 and start with the 2019. It always throws me off for a little bit. It takes a while to remember. I also have a weird mix-up with saying January and June. I don't know why. Maybe because they're next to each other alphabetically, so it's difficult. But that has nothing to do with the new year. I just thought of that. Uh, Do you make resolutions? Do you set goals? I love listening to people talk anywhere from between January, like first to the fourth. (laughs) Many of the sentences start with, this year I'm gonna, and everyone sounds so ambitious and so noble. This year, I'm going to exercise six times a week. This year, I'm going to stop eating this and start eating that. This year, I'm going to read more. This year, I'm going to drive safer. This year, I'm going to turn my phone off more often. This year, I'm going to climb a mountain. This year, I'm going to run a marathon. This year, I'm going to explore the North Pole. This year, I'm going to cure cancer. We can sound so lofty on day one. I love that. I love the fresh start. I love new beginnings. I love trying new things. I remember the year I decided I was going to learn how to refinish chairs. I did three and then quit. I also remember when I was at someone's house and was taught how to make my own cards, to stamp cards. I was all in. I got a dryer. I got stamps. I got cards. I got ink. And I got a Rubbermaid thing with drawers to store everything in it. I made everybody's birthday cards that one year. That was also the year that I had a friend who needed my help, who was going to put up a border in her kitchen. I've never done that before, but I was needed a little bit more for manual labor than for skill, so I agreed to help. I then came home and put up borders in places in my house, too. Later on, I learned how to sponge paint and bag paint. (laughs) And our living room and dining room and a couple of bedrooms and some rooms at my friend's house, it reflected that. Until I learned how to wallpaper. And then a few years later, I learned, oh, you can paint over wallpaper. And then I learned how to strip wallpaper and patch walls. Doing new things is fun. It's invigorating. But as you may guess, and as you may agree, sometimes finishing a thing is more difficult. This past year, my daughter told me she was going to read 52 books in the year. I thought, whoa, that sounds ambitious. That also sounds like fun. She said there was this place they gave you all these kind of different um, categories you choose books from. And in the end, you read 52 books. I told her I would have to check that out. But then I forgot until too many months had passed. And I thought, eh, forget it. I thought she's probably not going to finish either. Mostly because I would never finish. But she did. She finished, although I like to say, remember you said you were going to read 52 books, but you didn't, because she actually had read 53, but whatever. I came across a verse a while back in Ecclesiastes that resonated with me the moment I read it. It's found in chapter 7, verse 8, where it says, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. 
and patience is better than pride. Interesting, isn't it? Another version of the same verse reads like this. Something completed is better than something just begun. Patience is better than too much pride. I think this is something we can agree to. This is something that's helpful for us to hear at the beginning of a year, is it not? Because really, when you think of it, as we complete a task, we reflect God himself, right? We're created in his image, and part of that is seen in our ability to work and and to complete a thing. When God created, he saw what he had done, and he said, it is good, over and over and over again. He didn't get bored with making animals and quit with the ones in the sea. He didn't stop with the deciduous trees. He went on and did evergreens too. He did these things. He created, but that's not the only task he's about. He continues to make all things new. He loves doing a new thing as well. I think that's why we do too. I mean, maybe we don't love all new things. Sometimes when your grocery store gets kind of revamped and rearranged, it can be a little disconcerting at first. You might find yourself in the middle of the store pushing your cart, stopping and asking, who moved my cheese? Some people don't like getting new phones. Some people do. Some people don't like learning all the new apps and buttons. Other people do. Some people don't like new shoes. They say, it takes me a while to break them in, like new jeans, which likely those same people also don't like. Some people don't like new people. They find it uncomfortable to be in a crowd and and meet others. Other people find a crowd of strangers exhilarating. Ah, look at all the friends I haven't met yet. Some people like new recipes. They like to try something new and put something different together. Some like they're tried and true. And you know for a fact, if you go to their house, you'll experience that go-to meal and likely it's delicious. Some people like new hairstyles. Others don't. I tried bangs once, and people didn't recognize me. My dad saw me walking toward him when I was with my daughter-in-law, looked at me, glanced over, and said, Hi, Anna. I said, Dad, hi. He responded with, Oh, I didn't recognize you. I went to a movie. Kenny and I found our seats, sat down. He left to go get popcorn. As I was waiting, I noticed two couples from our church walk in and sit down ahead of us about two rows across the aisle. I called out to them and said, hey, guys. They looked back at me, did kind of a courtesy smile, and then looked away quickly. It wasn't dark in the theater yet, and so I assumed, oh, I must have interrupted a good conversation or something. How awkward. But pretty quickly afterward, Kenny came back, saw them, didn't know about my earlier exchange, sat down and called out a greeting much like my own. Hey, guys. They looked back and said, oh, hi, Kenny, and then stared me down until one said, oh, my gosh, is that you, Kirsten? We didn't recognize you earlier. Did you change your hair? Some people like new cars. Others don't feel safe driving their new one for a while. They find it disconcerting. I don't mind it either way. I will say I loved it. When I found out that there's a little arrow near the gas tank picture on your dashboard pointing to the side where you put in the gas. So new car or not, someone's you're borrowing or not, if you need to fill it up with gas, you can just look at that and know which side of the pump to pull up to. I do wonder when the new, in quotes, thing wears off. Who decides something's not new anymore? Like for a while, 
I talk about wearing my new shirt or my new coat. And then after a bit, I'm just saying my blue shirt or my gray coat. Does new take a back seat when something else new comes along? Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's a passage of time thing. Whatever the case, I'm no longer looking for my new boots when I leave the house. I'm just looking for my brown ones. And I don't go out to my new car. It's just the car. And I'm certainly not sporting a new hairstyle as I just actually want my family members to recognize me. The new thing phenomenon is a real deal. Have you ever heard of the Diderot effect? It's a social phenomenon that addresses two things, really. The first says that people tend to acquire things that are in line with what they already have. So, for example, I'm likely to continue to buy clothes from my favorite stores or from my favorite brands or that look like them because they're in line with what I already have. If I wear something that's too far a departure from that, people tend to ask me, why are you dressing so differently? Or, hey, did you get a new sweater for Christmas or something? The second is this. If and when, in fact, you do purchase or are given a new thing that is a departure from what you normally would, it could create a cascading effect, a snowball effect. You will find yourself needing to purchase more and more things in line with it. This is named after Denis Diderot, who was a French philosopher. He lived in the early to mid-1700s, uh, and he had written an essay entitled, Regrets on Parting with My Old Dressing Gown. In it, he describes that he had this dressing gown that was fine. He'd had it for a while. He liked it. It was useful. He could use the sleeve to dust off the covers of his books. He was familiar with its lines, with its stains. And then he received a beautiful scarlet dressing gown. It made the rest of his surroundings pale in comparison. He found out that it created in him a desire for sound roundings that would be more suited to the opulence his new scarlet robe represented. It's not a long essay. Again, it's called Regrets on Party with My Old Dressing Gown, if you're interested in reading it. But in it, he says he learned that poverty, he was referring to himself, poverty has its freedoms, opulence has its obstacles. He spoke to being content with what we have which when we think of our possessions and things, we could make a pretty good argument for that, right? Contentment is good. We need to count our blessings. We need to be grateful for what we have. I mean, seriously, there are plenty of people who aren't ourselves, who are in need and want and who could benefit from our generosity, are there not? Absolutely. But here's the thing. I think this Diderot principle has a spiritual component that might actually not be so bad. While we can be content with our possessions, it's totally okay and actually preferred that we don't stay content with our person because we are in process. I want to repeat that. While we can be content with our possessions, it's totally okay and actually preferred that we don't stay content with our person because we are in process. When Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a good work that's being started. It's something new. And God is at work in these people and bringing it to completion in their lives. And that same thing is true with us. What is this new work? Well, let's just compare for a minute and go back to this Diderot principle. It's not a direct correlation, but I just want to mention it like this. Let's say this. Let's say that our own personal strivings, our own acts of righteousness done with our own effort, our own good deeds, our own attempts at pleasing God are like the old garment. They're fine. They're fine the way they are. They fit us. They suit us. We can live in a way that sort of feels really comfortable. But scripture tells us in Isaiah 64 that our attempts at righteous acts are like filthy rags. Instead, scripture tells us as well, when we receive forgiveness for our sin, when our lives are renewed, we are now clothed with new robes of righteousness, royal robes that are bright and white and shining and new and full of grace and truth and gifted to us by God himself through Christ. And this royal robe, this new righteousness gifted to us can make us look around at our surroundings and think, Ha, huh, that doesn't really fit in with this new robe. And the process of change begins. We begin to take second looks at our perfectly fine way of living that feels comfortable and doesn't stretch me too much. And we start to think maybe we could change a few things to match this new gift we've been given. This work, this process in theology speak is called sanctification. This work, this process in our everyday speak is called becoming more like Jesus. And in this process, whatever you want to call it, is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not something we can do on our own. Remember, our God, who is seated on the throne of heaven, has said that he is making all things new. He is in process of this recreation. He's in the process of creating something new in us. He brings new sight to our eyes. What do I mean by that? Now that we've received his righteousness, which is by faith, and we're no longer trying to hold on to our own righteousness that's based on our own strivings, we can see things the way that he does. We can be grateful for his upgrades, for his refinishing, for his refining. We know we were created to reflect God, and we know that sin has certainly screwed that up in our lives. It certainly has in my own. And I'm grateful for the fresh start. I'm grateful for the newness. I'm grateful when I read what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, If anyone who is in Christ, anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The new is here. And the new is continuing to arrive day by day. Never will the time come where I sit back and think, Huh. My new life is now old. No, my new life is always my new life because my new life in Christ is ever evolving and ever changing. I am not who I once was. I have become more patient and I will grow to be more patient still. I've become more compassionate and I will grow to be more compassionate still. I have become more kind and will grow to be more kind still. My God has promised that he is going to continue to do this new thing in me until someday when I'm in his presence, it will come to completion. He won't stop. He won't get bored with me. He won't move on to something more exciting. He will stick it out. 
because he is faithful. And what will I do? What will we do? As we look ahead to the year 2019, what should we do? What should our resolution be? We can resolve to surrender to God's process in our lives. We can resolve to trust him to lead and direct our paths. We can resolve to continue to spend time with him in prayer and read his word and follow his direction. We can resolve to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, changing us to more adequately reflect and match these robes of righteousness that have been gifted to us because of Jesus Christ. And with all this resolving stuff happening, we need to recognize that it's not us doing any of it. It will be Christ in us to his glory. He is the one at work making all things new. He is patient and he is able. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. He's aware of what 2019 will bring in us and through us and around us. And he will be at work in us. He will be at work through us as we surrender our lives to him.